Welcome to the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number seven of the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. My name's Chandler. I'm here with just Brett. Just me. Just Brett. Jaden abandoned us. <laughs> he seemed to think his kids were more important. Brett and Chandler after dark. Yeah, hmm. that's the <laughs> podcast everybody really wants. <laughs> good. Uh, I feel like that would go some directions. Um, I forget. Do you drink? I don't drink. I I can. Okay. <laughs> that would make I don't know. I don't know if that's the right answer, but I can. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> perfect. What, what, what are we talking about? Who are we? Wow, Jade steps away for one second. The whole structure goes away. Yeah, we were doing a good job till just now. Uh, hi, everybody. We're back. Um, yeah, Jaden stepped away to help out uh, with his kids, so it's just going to be me and Brett today. Uh, but Brett had the the topic idea for us for this uh, week. What are, what are we talking about today? So I call them unfolding games. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually what the genre is called. Um, yeah. The problem with it is that they're all unique, <laughs> and and talking about them is massive spoilers. So let me, uh, well, let me just first say we're talking about inscription. Um, we we will try and do as much as we can without spoilers, and then we'll start spoiling some older games. Uh, we're not going to spoil inscription because everyone's still excited about it. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know a whole lot about it personally either yet, but yeah. I do know some other Daniel Mullins projects, though. So. <laughs> oh, I don't. So, yeah, that's that's the thing is I've played a couple of the unfolding games. Uh, people kept uh, recommending Inscription to me because I love deck building roguelikes. And so um, I, I played that one. I don't have a ton of experience with the whole genre, but I do want to talk about Inscription in general terms. Um, so what makes this non-genre genre? <laughs> so the reason I call it unfolding games is because what what makes these games unique is that it it changes mechanics. You 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 get the joy of discovery of new stuff happening, and it's not just like a cutscene where like a character dies. It's like, well, I was playing a, a top, you know, I was playing a um, a point and click adventure game, and now I'm playing a Zelda game. Uh, now I'm president of mars wait what's what the hell's happening and yeah. so it's it's really it, there's really nothing quite like it so this okay so maybe this tells a lot about me but one of my favorite movies is cloud atlas cloud atlas kind of does the same thing um where it is five different genres of movies stitched together on emotional grounds and so you get the feeling of each of those genres and you get to see what brings them together and what makes them different. And that's, it's very hard doing it. Well, actually that's about how long unfolding games are. They're usually much shorter games because you have to do way more designing. Yeah. So usually the way it'll go like frog fractions, I think it's still free on steam. Uh, um, maybe, uh, I don't even know where you find that anymore. Yes. So a lot of these were like, um oh, yeah yeah game of the decade edition is on yeah, Steam yeah. right now yep. yeah so i would recommend going pausing the podcast going playing frog fractions i think it's like an i don't even remember how i think i put like an hour into it and i i got it done to 
Oh yeah, I played it for 46 minutes. Um, and in my opinion, I did everything. So, um, it starts out as a game where you're like a frog and you're like catching numbers, and then you cut ca- and then you get a new ability. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then you sink below the surface and you start catching fish. And then you're a submarine, and it's like, like this is where you get to Mars. And so. Kind of hard to describe, <laughs> but, there, but there's lots of games like it, and I'm just going to keep saying this, where it's like, um, okay, well then another one I can talk about is There Is No Game. There Is No Game is really great because it's not just, you know, crazy random stuff happening. It's they're, they're walking through a storyline, and they're walking through, like, the history of games kind of uh, i think evo land kind of the same thing um it's a lot mm-hmm. less silly um where it's like walking you through as games are changing over time so you kind of get to go to this history lesson by also playing them mechanically and it's really cool how they you know keep the story going in just a completely different genre each way yeah yeah i mean there's a couple of kind of interesting examples of games depending on where you uh sort of I guess put the definition, but so mm-hmm. yeah, specifically the guy who made uh, Inscription, uh, Daniel Mullins games, has mm-hmm. is known for these. He's done a few of them. Okay. Um, yeah, there was uh, Pony Island was the first one I, that I remember. There's also one called The Hex. Um, and he's he's well known at this point for yeah, you you don't know what genre of game you're about to walk <laughs> into usually. Um, another one actually that is a little more high profile that has aspects of this is actually Near Automata. I've never even heard of that. Uh, so this was a, uh, it's it's like a, I don't know, it, it's a, um, it's like an action RPG, not not air, not action RPG, but it's more like Bayonetta, okay. uh, where it's yeah, oh, like, oh or an IES kind of a thing, yeah, 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 near. I own that game. I played that game. Oh, I didn't know it was an unfolding game. <laughs> well, yeah. So the thing about that one is if you even think about the first handful of minutes of that game, mm-hmm. you drop in and uh, you're playing a side-scrolling shoot-em-up, or sorry, bullet hell. Mm-hmm. And then you drop in and are playing a third-person action game. <laughs> and uh, over the course of that game, you, as you go through, and this is somewhat spoilery, but as you go through multiple endings, uh, I mean, you play like weird top-down bullet hell stuff. There's all kinds of strange puzzle games you end up playing. Uh, it becomes a 2D side-scroller a number of times. Huh. Uh, it just goes a lot of really weird directions as you play, and they, they'll just use literally just a shift of camera to change the genre of game you're playing sometimes. It's really bizarre. Um, that's a really good one that does it. Uh, the earliest Daniel Mullins one I can think of, Pony Island. Um, I have not played it. I watched it play it. This is not a kind of game I would actually sit through but it was really interesting to watch um where it starts out as a you know that dumb game that google gives you when you don't have internet with the with the dinosaur it's like Mm -hmm. a little side scrolly dinosaur thing it's kind of like that but you're like a little like pony unicorn thing and you're like i don't even remember you're like getting stars in a field it's just this super it's like frog fractions where it's just it's a really innocuous kind of pleasant sounding start mm-hmm. and by the end it's like a puzzle game about fighting satan like it's <laughs> absolutely bananas and you go through a lot of different really strange kind of iterations and, and it gets used it i think the way that mullins in particular is well known for doing it is making it a very meta thing mm-hmm. Um, where it's 
kind of he he likes to make the game talk to you kind of and do really weird things where it's trying to kind of imply that it's more than it actually is and uses the genre shifts as a way to actually kind of almost deliberately break you out of what's going on because it it's he's using that to jar you back into the fact that the game is being kind of fourth wall breaky mm-hmm. um it is an interesting thing because it's it's being able to actually stitch this many different genres together in that way while keeping it actually uh cohesive and coherent mm-hmm. is a very different kind of game design right like that's so that's yeah. actually by <laughs> far the biggest compliment i have to give inscription is that it it is variations on a theme so through unlike normal unfolding games this one keeps like a, a core mechanic that's used throughout the whole game um and it's it introduces completely different ways to interact with that core mechanic um and so like when you first sit down in the game and it teaches you about like drawing from two decks and you have one deck's resource and one deck that's you know like stuff you do with it and like how the the combat works and how it's like this tug of war that actually maintains throughout the whole game but the way that you like the 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 way that you the mechanics work the way that you play cards the way that the like what cards can do um just completely changes multiple times over the course of the game um and then also there's an escape room kind of thing (laughs) in addition to that where you can get up from the table and walk around and like do stuff with that um so i liked inscription kind of (laughs) um (laughs) so the the problem i have with inscription is that the deck like as a deck builder the it's it's kind of okay i feel like the the second iteration was the most fun uh where it's which ironically isn't a roguelike deck builder it's it's more of a traditional deck builder um i actually enjoyed that one the best um of of the variations on the theme um but i never love the core the core concept it's because it's the battles are really short and it's a like tiny like like you like where you place a card it's like very hard to interact with in the future it's like it's hard to predict what your opponent's going to do it's just kind of there's not much to sink your teeth into mechanically um and which is fine because there's you know six different games that he's designing but like so you have you have to enjoy like it's not really I wanted this I didn't really want the escape room I didn't really love the you know the FMB stuff and then it also feels like he didn't finish the game <laughs> like there there's a clear like four part symmetry mm-hmm. and you only play one of them you only play one game in yeah it's like like if you're doing the variations of the theme like you gotta do all of them right so that that left a really sour taste in my mouth um and so i also think it's the case that it was very much overhyped for me um yeah yeah so i but as an unfolding game it's really cool because 
he does a lot of that fourth wall breaking stuff you're talking about. He does make you feel like you're part of the experience without all the FMV stuff. Um, and like I said, variations on a theme is a really cool concept for how to make a game. It's like, okay, I've got this one game mechanic that I'm going to design and tune. And then we're going to see if I approach it from a completely different top-down direction, what does the game become? Yeah. And I think that's a really cool design problem. It plays out really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's keeping that coherent, right? Like between right. between multiple things that are drastically different to actually making sure that it has the same sort of feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually something that a lot of unfolding games don't bother to do. Yeah. Like, they, they basically, like, yep, yeah, we just have to completely start over every time we change change genres. Um, which which is really cool, but really expensive. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. <laughs> and so, and I think that's what There Is No Game does so, so well, is that it, it it's always it unfolds into things that are accessing the same emotions. It's still the, like, explore the interface, try and come up with the wacky puns or whatever, you know, the the, the things that they're trying, like the pu- kind of puzzle game, you know, old point-and-click adventure game things, even when it isn't point-and-click mechanics. Um, it's trying to tap into that same feeling. Um, which Inscription does really well, which There Is No Game does really well, which older ones like Frog Fractions don't do it all. They're just like, they don't bother. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so it's interesting to see the ones that have really good and disciplined designers behind it. I think that's where you end up with these variation on a theme or like um, exploring the same aesthetic genre. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That, that gets us into a whole other problem. <laughs> Are we, can we talk about genres in video games and how they're completely messed up? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a complete shit show to talk about in general. But yeah, like... well, so the, the problem with <laughs> genres in video games is that um, the genre names we use. OK, so in other media, a genre is the emotional the emotional experience you're going to get out of it so like if i'm going into a romance novel it's because i i care about relationships if i'm going into a spy movie i want you know uh like i want to be a secret organization that's trying to take trying to specifically stop me like stuff like that but for video game genres it's not that at all it's like what it looks like and what buttons you press. <laughs> it's like it, it's the the genre usually is trying to get across something mechanically, but right. also, but it also kind of gets blended with how it feels because it depends a lot on the genre, right? Like first person shooter is a genre, right? Right. You know what else is a genre? Souls like. <laughs> Those don't even describe the same thing. Like it's two totally because one of them is like a feel in certain like certain mechanical requirements and the other one is like purely a mechanical like this is exactly what this type of game this is what it looks like when you're looking at it yeah yeah but it also like doesn't tell you anything like gears of war is a third person shooter so is splatoon right (laughs) and it's like 
this They're... doesn't tell you anything. Right. And so you have to have to actually tell what a game is based purely on genre. You have to have like a, like more than a dozen genres put on a given game just to describe. And by the end, you've just created a list of all of its mechanics. And it's right. like, well, that no, that no, we're back to where anymore. we started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like like even ours, like our favorites are like deck building roguelikes. That's that means a lot of different things. Yeah, right. that's yeah. Well, that's like like Slay the Spire versus Monster Train is a drastically different experience, right? Mm -hmm. They are held together by a certain core concept in the form of randomization and deck building, mm -hmm. but they don't do the same thing, right? Well, like they, yeah. Did we ever get you to play Across the Obelisk? You did briefly. I, I played right? it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I heard. think I would I would argue that that's an extremely different genre. Of deck well, that's roguelike. like, yeah, that one's a deck building roguelike, but it, to me, that was actually way more of like a proper RPG exactly than, than other ones were. And it was like, well, this kind of feels like more like an RPG. Now, mechanically, it is a deck building roguelike, but, but it's much more of like a, a party RPG than. Yep. And, than and anything I, think that's else. A, I think that's a perfect example of why video game genres are so messed up. Yeah. Because yeah, no, we would call those the same genre. But they're not. They're completely different experiences. They're, mm -hmm. Do you want to have a bunch of characters that you watch grow and build over time? Um, or do you want to watch a deck make ridiculous mechanics happen? Yeah. Well, and so that's part of why I love when talking about game genres. I love bringing up Souls-like because it's mm -hmm. such a funny descriptor to me. Because the things it means are like really particular, but also really not at the same time. Well, okay. So what what does it mean? It Does it, okay. it mean... So, well, like as an outsider, let me try and guess. Sure. So we've got um, a uh, a storyline where it's all like the storyline isn't told to you directly. It's all about reading item descriptions and figuring it out organically. Uh, there's, uh, it's not permadeath, but like you're like your death resets. It's not quite a roguelike, um, and uh, and it's extremely difficult and extremely timing based. Yeah. That that covers some sections of it so yeah. there's a couple oh, there's but here's, okay. here's some here's some of the weirdly specific ones <laughs> okay a stamina bar for actions that you take oh my god well that, so, is, okay, so, that is consistent so, so skyrim's the rogues a souls like like i mean <laughs> like that's the problem that's why this descriptor is so terrible it's like it's so weird it's like it needs to have like a stamina bar there is a, a mood usually associated yeah. with it but it's not required but kind of grimdarky is like pretty common. Generally a uh, system in which you um, unlock checkpoints as you progress forward. And then especially if you, you, you get extra points, if that's a, like, this is a genre that you get certain degrees of, you get extra souls like points. If you have uh, a world that loops back on itself with shortcuts. Oh, um, well, and see, and I think it's so fascinating that this genre is just completely designed, completely like focused on one brilliant designer. Yeah, it's it's literally like what it ends up being is how much the game is kind of like Dark Souls. And like, that's such a stupid shot. Like, it's like referring to FPSs as Doom likes, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, this just doesn't well, tell you anything. <laughs> I, I just realized <laughs> we casually use roguelike. That's exactly the same way. We just don't it's have exactly experience the same with Rogue. Yeah, there's this, yeah, because it actually is based on a game called Rogue. And yeah. there's a, a ton of discussion about that because the Berlin conjecture is just the most pretentious thing. Yeah, because you get into, well, is it rogue like or is it a rogue light? And it's like, <laughs> shut up. Like, that doesn't, 
well, it's not a rogue like unless it uses ASCII art, and you're just like, no, like, come on, like this is an actual discussion that comes yeah. up, and it's where game genres are just really, really difficult, and so that's where, yeah, I mean, this concept of unfolding games, right? They kind of balk against this, where you go, the genre literally doesn't mean anything. Well, and I think that's what distinguishes like the really well, the really awesome, the really amazing unfolding ones is if they go. Video game genres are meaningless, and let me show you how. Yeah, right. Like that, it's I, not that it's not about the genre; it's about the story we're telling, right? Exactly. Or, or the emotion we're evoking. Right. Like I can evoke the same emotion in a point-and-click adventure game, a third-person <laughs> uh, action, uh, you know, a third, yeah, a third-person uh, adventure game, and a like puzzle game. Like you can get the yeah. same feelings out of all three of those. But there you go. You know what game gets referred to as a Souls like sometimes? Uh, Darkest Dungeon, and that's purely <laughs> that's purely off mood, mood right? right? Like it's mood and general storytelling concept. Like it's it yeah, doesn't have anything to do with it mechanically. Yeah, I think and, it's so interesting that you bring up Souls like as a counterexample because I think it's actually a re- one of the few examples of you know what what feeling you're yeah going and that, to get out that's of the what's game. weird about it it's yeah. simultaneously useless and extremely useful because you're just kind of like oh i kind of know what that means it's really it's only useless in the sense that it got really overused mm-hmm. but in in kind well, of like I when you say something useful. is when you say something it, that is a good roguelike uh, sorry souls like yeah. you kind of know what that means yeah. to an extent mm-hmm. even if the specifics don't make a lot of sense Right. Whereas for an RPG, I have to go. Okay, is this a yeah. crunchy one or? Is this... Yeah. Yeah. You're like RP, RPG actually might be one of the worst offenders. It's impossible. It doesn't mean anything. Like it's Call of Duty an RPG. Yeah. It's like well, you. I mean, you have a talent tree you unlock. Therefore, you're like, uh, mm, like what does what does that mean exactly? Yeah, it's yeah. RPG is a horrendous genre. It doesn't. It's so meaningless at this point. <laughs> and explain to someone who isn't experienced in video games the difference between an RPG, and a JRPG, and a CRPG and makes a, them mad at you. An ARPG and a yeah. It's you just like, well, yeah. See, a CRPG is an RPG, but. But it's it, like in this very specific, like isometric view, and it needs to have an asinine inventory system. Yeah, yeah. If the combat is good, it's made wrong. <laughs> uh, except for Divinity, the only one that gets to have actually pretty good combat. All right. Um, and then like, the RPG is just some dudes <laughs> in Japan <laughs> happen to make a really good game, and they haven't stopped making it. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's is it is it like forty seven hours long minimum and made out of Japan and you have to have a, one well, spiky haired protagonist. That's the thing, is I've played American JRPGs. Yeah. And Dark Souls is a Japanese ARPG. Western RPG, yeah. yeah. It's a Japanese Western RPG. Yeah. That's uh okay. It's it was it was like a Japanese take on like Zelda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's we were talking about uh, uh, before recording. We were talking about Emperor's New Groove and how the development went horribly, horribly wrong, and we end up with an amazing product. And I've heard the same. That's what exactly what happened with Demon Souls. They're like, mm-hmm. we're halfway yeah. through production. This game is terrible. <laughs> and the one guy's like, I know what to do. I can fix this. Trust me. And for some yeah. godforsaken reason, they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he created a whole genre. I don't know. Yep. 
Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, although, if you want to really get the true OG Souls like experience, go play Kingsfield, which oh. was uh, the progenitor to Demon Souls, and that game's horrendous. Yeah, I didn't know there was one before Demon Souls. It's incredibly bad. It's a whole <laughs> series. There's like four of them. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There, I've not played them personally. I've is watched it, them played. Is it the same and... guy? Uh, it's from software. I, oh. I'm not sure how much of it is specifically the same, but a lot of the same devs. Mm-hmm. I know that the guy who made Dark Souls 2 worked on Kingsfield. Okay. Um, but it's like, it takes the things that people joke about Dark Souls and it's like, it's real. Like it's like one of them when you spawn into the game, if there's a, there's like an item on the ground forward and to your right. And if you actually walk towards it, you just fall in a pit and die. Like there's just no, (laughs) there's no anything. It's like a try. It's a pure trial and error. Just like figure it out kind of game. It's, it's very good. Well, and I, I do love the difference between like Mega Man, the old Mega Man games where it's like, Mm -hmm. it is literally impossible for you to avoid this trap. The first time is just rote memorization. And then that's, and then the contract that dark souls makes with you is that, we will telegraph everything. Yeah. You may not understand that at first, but we will do it. And yeah. and how the feeling that evokes, and <clears throat> again the de- the design chops that it takes to make that work, is really yeah the, the sense of the sense of fairness. Mm-hmm. Bullshit, but fair. <laughs> Difficult, but fair. <laughs> yeah, I say bullshit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, like Shadow. When you die the, to it, you, oh god. Shadow Claws is the best game ever made when you're not actively playing it. I love that game. Wait, see, yeah, because you're not playing it right now. If you were playing it right now, you'd be throwing your controller across the room. That's fair. <laughs> so, so we kind of uh, we did a meta episode. We we unfolded into a different discussion halfway through. Um, yeah. But I I mean I I think that's what makes these games so interesting is that they are so experimental and that they make you question things like, what am I getting out of this game? And what, you know, why is, why is this the genre? Yeah. Why is this the choice they made? Right. Like, why is, why is this the particular direction that they decided to go for this bit? What does that kind of add to it? Right. If anything. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> if it's made well. <laughs> well, like if you want a great example of that, um, I, I played, God, what, 40 hours of Monster Sanctuary in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Monster Sanctuary is a, uh, RPG souls like sorry <laughs> no no I I got different keywords to you it's okay there you go it's a Metroidvania Pokemon game <laughs> yeah and the for me the fascinating part about that is that I don't like either of those genres but put them together and I could not stop playing it possibly because they put talent trees in instead of the absolutely arcane nonsense that is in Pokemon games yeah <laughs> um but. Like, yeah, it's just, it's really cool that someone's like, okay, what do these two genres bring and how can I take the best parts of both of them? I mean, it's like, it seems like a really natural thing to put together if you think about it, right? Because, like, well, it's, it's how I, so it's like, I, I was working on a board game that was exactly the same concept where it's like, I have these two board games I love. One of them has this really awesome, like, you know, unit or like buildings and really flavorful units and all this cool stuff um but the or but the order system is just complete awful nonsense and it's like well then i've got this other board game where it's got this really cool area control and it's got this oh wait sorry 
what was I saying? So the combat was nonsense. And then the other one has really cool combat. So I just pick up the good parts from each of them and fuse them together. And that's what they did here. It's like, the thing I hate about Metroid games is that the combat is completely non-engaging to me. I really hate that kind of like, you know, not quite bullet hell, but like action dodging, like one or two hits kills anything on the screen. And it's just like slowly being ground down and gathering resources. I know that makes you explore, but like, <laughs> I just hate it. And then, yeah, take it out and put in this really crunchy like um, turn-based system and then make it quick enough that you're going through screens really fast it's just really smart yeah yeah definitely and it's like i think this is so much of the strength of like modern gaming right now where indie games like very small studios with really weird ideas have been able to become so like kind of brought to the forefront because it lets you do weird stuff like this, weird kind of experimental playing around with genres, things like that. And they can actually do fairly well in, mm-hmm. in the current the current kind of, you know, environment of games. Now, well, you can also get drowned, but it's... Can we, I mean, can we talk about Game Pass, game pass quickly? Like... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what Monster Sanctuary is on Game Pass, right? Right. It's like that's... Stuff like that is stuff... I mean, there's so many things on Game Pass that I wouldn't have tried otherwise. Yeah, I wouldn't have tried in a million years um like i mean even something like monster train right like it's one of my favorite games and its concept is very stupid (laughs) (laughs) you know like you kind of look at it and it's like this is dumb and but it's great it's very very good like i found it because i just bought every deck building roguelike but like yeah (laughs) i don't expect any everyone to do that (laughs) right and yeah i mean there's all kinds of stuff like that uh that but but, i mean just just the fact that people are getting these experimental indie games onto something where you know, tons of people are buying this pass for. It's like, I mean, it's like what Netflix is doing, right? And it's yeah. just so beneficial for small creators. Yeah. I hope. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't, I, I always wonder when I'm playing it, I'm like, is this good for the people that I'm playing this stuff for? I really have no idea. But like, yeah, it's got, it's got me to try a lot of really bizarre stuff that I definitely wouldn't have tried otherwise. It also has a million games that my kids play, which is great. Oh, that's awesome. But, I didn't even uh, that. Well, yeah. I, I think it's mostly games that are like a year or two old and have been lost in the Steam crush. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely plenty uh, that, that are like that. Uh, I mean, they get a lot of really good like day one stuff. But I mean, there's things that like I've always wanted to try that I never would have normally. Uh, mm-hmm. And even ones that I did bounce off of somewhat, but I'm kind of glad I at least played around with them. Um, like take like, I mean, especially things that were kind of a risk for me, like Subnautica was a good example of one where it was like, I'm I'm glad that I like got a chance to try that to see if I could do it. I couldn't, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I got to, to have a go at it, right? Like... It was too much for me, but yeah, survival games out. are so hit or miss for me. The thing about Subnautica that frustrates me is that it's like for a survival game, it's incredibly high quality. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have any of that like jank. Well, like the tiniest bent maybe, but normally the survival games always feel really like jank and awkward. Like Subnautica feels like premium. The problem is, is that its setting is one of my most intense phobias. It's <laughs> and, so funny that there's, there's several people I've heard that from. Yeah, deep sea exploration is extremely difficult for me, and uh, it is like the most visceral form of that. And it's and oh, it yeah. doesn't 
it'd be maybe one thing if they gave you weapons so I could at least mm-hmm. be like, well, at least I can fight that stupid thing, but they don't. And he's just like, run away, idiot. And um, yeah, it's not it's not good for me. Uh, uh, I think we all have that genre. I think mine is um, hacking games. Like anytime, oh, sure. I, anytime I open up a, uh, a video game and it shows me a Linux prompt, I'm like, no, no, that's what I do 40 hours a week already. I'm not doing any more of this. I immediately get flashbacks to putting in cheat codes to the old Matrix game on like the PlayStation 2, which mm-hmm. like they made you do this really jank ass like hacking mini game to put cheat codes in. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, no, like, like Game Pass is done. I mean, it's it's such an incredible thing for just the industry in general. It's um, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, from a from a consumer standpoint, yeah. I guess is more more how I should say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where yeah, you can get into all these just really bizarre little genres or weird things that that you never would have tried otherwise. Like I've always wanted to play Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, mm-hmm. and yeah. I could never justify the thirty bucks. Yeah, that's absolutely that's a really good really good example of uh, of a, and a game like so. That. So hopefully, if it works well for the developers, we're going to end up with more of these experimental games that we love. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to play Hellblade. We'll both play it and <laughs> talk about it because I think it'll be interesting. I, we need to do a stream where it's just me playing out of wilds again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just need to sit and watch someone play out of wilds. It makes mm-hmm. me happy. I love watching people <laughs> play it. So. Out of worlds, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're both on Game Pass is the best part. They're both on Game Pass. It's, yeah. The amount of time, I had, I was telling some people in my LVO car about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, I know that game, and they seemed very confused why I liked it so much. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, it's, I realized what it was after I was like, oh, it's not the one you think it is. It's not the RPG. <laughs> it's, it's a totally different thing that you've probably not heard of. Anyway. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We're, we're going to close this one out. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a I mean, I guess the topic sort of made sense for how much we ended up wandering. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's how it is. Uh, so, yeah, big thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. You guys are absolutely awesome. If you want to check it out, it's patreon.com slash LOS War Machine. Uh, huge thanks to everybody who has supported us on that for as long as you have. You guys are all absolutely awesome. If you want to check out all the other stuff we got going on, go to LOSWarMachine.com. A lot of articles for war games, stuff like that. A uh, ton of podcasts on there. And uh, yeah, go check that out. Um, you can shoot us an email at loswarmahords at gmail.com. If you go to our website and go to any of our casts, you can see in the show notes a link to our Discord uh, where you can come hang out, talk to people about games, all kinds of great stuff going on on there. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.